G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. I often um, I look at uh, the apostles and uh, characters in the New Testament, you know, I look at the life of Paul, how would I have gone um, walking through his life with the shipwreck and the beatings and the floggings and the um, uh, opposition that he faced from scary people. I look at the life of John, exiled and um, you know, carted off to a, a, an island for his faith in Jesus, the only one of the 12 to live to a ripe old age, but under what circumstances. And I look at the life of Peter and I wonder, in Peter's case, I wonder if Jesus had personally spoken an ominous, um, heavy word, this ominous promise over my life, I wonder if he'd spoken it over my life or over your life, I wonder whether it would um, serve to focus my life and hone it and sharpen it and give me clarity and purpose and all of the rest, or whether it would have had the opposite effect and throw me into a, a bit of disillusionment really and, uh, and worry and doubt and, and constant fear about how things were going to pan out, what I'm referring to, let's have a listen to this conversation between Peter and Jesus which I think is, is uh, behind some of that opening paragraph there in uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 12 and following. Let's have a listen to this conversation between Peter and Jesus, which hits its climax, really, with this personal, ominous um, word about Peter's approaching demise. In John chapter 21, verse 15, we read this, when they had finished eating, so this is um, the risen Jesus... And, uh, and the eleven disciples, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And remember, in recent history, Peter had just denied his Lord three times, hadn't he? It's a fair question to ask. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, I know it says Simon, but it's Simon Peter, you understand, we're still talking about the same man. Uh, uh, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And uh, church history, church tradition, of course, has it that Peter... Uh, didn't just peaceably slip away one day, elderly Peter in his sleep or whatever. No, he was executed under Emperor Nero in about AD 64, October AD 64, we think, shortly after the great fire of Rome. He died a martyr. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. So Peter was a man, you see, who was given an awareness from his Lord of the brevity of his life, the brutality 
of life and death. And most of us, most of the time, I think we're able to put to one side that kind of heavy stuff from our minds and our hearts and get on with whatever it is that lies in front of us. Uh, we are here but for a moment. And in an instant, we will be no more. Now, um, here's the interesting thing to me. That Peter, that very same Peter, now, here in 2 Peter chapter 1, he writes to ordinary Christians... Um, and he holds together these three things. He holds together that cold, hard reality. Very soon, uh, he will put aside the tent of this body. That's how he describes it there. I'm not going to live forever. I'm under no illusions about that. Um, he holds that together with this profound question, how do I know that I've encountered God in my life really? All right, I'm not going to live for very much longer. How do I know that I've really had a real encounter, a genuine encounter with God in my life. And he puts it together for us Christians with a plan of attack, you see, for how we can face our few and short and perhaps brutal years, or perhaps blessed years, whatever it is that we receive from our loving Heavenly Father, with a plan of attack for facing real life together, whether we are young or old, whether we face a heavy or burdensome sentence or whatever life looks like for us, in those moments where life seems frail or fleeting or faltering and Jesus or God, you see, start to seem, I don't know, doubtful or disappearing a little bit or dim at least, what is your go-to, Christian? What is your plan? What do you say or do when your spouse or your friend or uh, your son or your daughter are walking through those darker, more brutal times? in life beside you. What is your plan? Shall we pray as we come to 2 Peter chapter 1? Let's pray. Um, Father in heaven, we thank you very much for the rich variety that we discover in the pages of Scripture for our good. There's a, a word of comfort here, a timely rebuke there, a profound reflection here, an inspiring song or poem there. Lord God, would you work amongst us right now by your Spirit, please, to impress your Word deep down into our lives as we come to 2 Peter this morning. Father, we're reminded particularly uh, now of the brevity of our lives, uh, but also the brevity of every generation that's been. The generation after generation who have gone before us, lived and died, and who have read these very same words in your Scriptures needed these very same words, relied on them, found comfort and encouragement and rebuke and training and correction in them. Father, we thank you for the permanence of your testimony to us as humankind and for the rich goodness of the Word, Jesus Christ himself for us and to us. So God, build your church, build us, we pray, this morning for his name's sake. Amen. Um, Christopher Green, you'll, you'll hear me quoting him a little bit. I found his um, his work on two Tim, uh, two Peter so muddled up with names today, aren't I? Anyway, um, I found Christopher Green's work on two Peter really helpful, actually. And I'd just like to share this one little paragraph with you as we come to uh, verse twelve and following, particularly in Peter. He says the lesson Peter is applying from his own experience. The lesson Peter is applying from his own experience is this. No matter how close to the Lord we have been as Christians or how long-standing our Christian commitment 
or how central our position in the fellowship, that danger of wobbling still remains. And we should check ourselves constantly for the telltale signs. How long have you been a Christian? Can you relate to what Christopher Green's describing there? Um, it's, it's been my experience that what he describes there, I think he's describing normal Christian life when we dig beneath the facade, uh, beneath the brave face, beneath the, the happy exterior, uh, no matter how close to the Lord we have been as Christians, how long-standing our Christian commitment, how central our position in the fellowship, the danger of wobbling still remains and we should check ourselves for the telltale signs. And then he concludes with this, He says, the only way to be sure of not wobbling is to remember. 2 Peter chapter 1, let's pick it up from verse 10, just the bit that we were looking at uh, at the end of last week. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10, therefore, my brothers, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you'll never fall and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So, last week... Um, You know, that's where you you know that you're going, Christian. That's where you're headed for. You know the truth that is going to get you there. Give it your absolute all, won't you? To live in practice in accordance with the truth that has taken hold of you, that that guarantees your place in this uh, welcoming, lovely, eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And to that end, to help you with that, verse 12, so I will always remind you, of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. And I don't know, I think there lies a bit of a tendency within us, uh, doesn't there, within our hearts to imagine, number one, look, I already know this stuff. Uh, I've heard it before. I've learned it perhaps for some of us my entire life. I haven't forgotten. It's not like I just forget about Jesus, is it? I've been brought up, uh, many of us, on Jesus and God and he died for my sins and forgiveness and I'm saved and all of that stuff. In fact, I feel a little bit irritated and annoyed, kind of looked down on, insulted almost, if he tried to quote his favourite psalm at me now. Um, Or second, I think sometimes we have within our hearts this this fear. Uh, I'm a little bit scared to be that guy, you know, coming around with my Bible uh, to my friend to, to read a scripture with them. I'd better leave that to the pastor, maybe, or I'll leave that to the elders, or I'll leave that to the, I don't know, the chaplain or whatever. Why? Because, well, she already knows all that stuff. She already knows all that stuff. So, it'd just be weird, wouldn't it, for me to go into that room and read some scripture with her? I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of other patient beds around and there's only a curtain between us. I mean, it'd just be weird, uh, and, and to try and remind her and quote memory verses to her. He probably doesn't want to hear that stuff anyway. He's in enough pain, he knows it, he remembers it, doesn't he? Peter says, doesn't he, in these verses, Peter says, you know what Christians really need in their lives? We need reminding. <laughs> we need reminding. Please don't think you're above receiving it. Peter says you're not. Please don't think you're beneath offering it. 
the reminder or inadequate to the task somehow. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. So, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I'll soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So how about you? I will be at, I don't know, I will be at church every week because I know I need reminding, actually, and I know you'll be there and I know you need reminding too. Um, or I'll be at Bible, I'll get to Bible study, I'll commit to it this time and I'll stick at it because, because my faith needs refreshing with truth that, yeah, I've heard a million times, some of them, but maybe I haven't actually heard them in quite that way or <laughs> had them applied to quite this part of my life before or, or heard them in quite that light before. I'll plod through uh, my audio Bible, you know, on my way to work in the car, just a, a chapter or two at a time on the way to work. I've heard the stories before, but I know that as long as I live in the tent of this body, which I'll soon put aside, and that's true of all of us, what is it that will keep me from wobbling? I need to be reminded of the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, be reminded of the things that we already know, precious things. The gospel is simple. We just need reminding of it. But doubts, and this is where Peter goes next actually, doubts usually run a little bit deeper, don't they? Uh, when we're talking about life and death and, and, and uh, the shortness of life and suffering and the brutality of life, it's one thing to kind of know the whole system. Yes, I've heard it all before, all the truths and the doctrine this and the correct answers that. And, but answer me this, what makes you so sure that you've had a genuine encounter with God, that you've really found the truth from God in your life. You might know all the answers. You might know even, you might remember many of the catechisms by heart. You might know all of the doctrines. But how do you know you've had an encounter with God in your life? How do you really know He's real, that there's Jesus at the bottom of all of that knowledge? Or are we just endlessly, I don't know, is it just, has it just been a game of Chinese whispers down the generations? And what we've got now is, I don't know, some sort of concoction of things. How do I know I've encountered God? Straight from the horse's mouth, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Remember, he was there. Uh, and he says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And so Peter's saying, I intend to spend my earthly days speaking about Jesus. And I tell you, it's not because I met some guy who had some cool ideas, some switched on bloke from whatever the, you know, Palestinian equivalent of, you know, up Byron Bay or sort of Nimbin or whatever, some, you know, really spiritual kind of guy. It's not because I heard some guru's opinion. 
Uh, nothing like that. Peter's anger, doesn't it? It rests in something, something far firmer than just charismatic, uh, 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 you know, blokes, teachers, spiritual kind of guides in life. I will spend my remaining days reminding the world that when they encountered Jesus, heaven says they have met the real deal. Isn't that what he's saying? Actually, let's just turn back to Matthew's Gospel and read it together, shall we? The event that he's talking about, Matthew chapter 17. Um, let's flick back there. It'll only take a minute or two. Um, and look, it's not lost on Peter uh, by any means that he is a guy um, telling these other Christians about God, you know, that he is a human being telling other Christians about God. He'll come to that in the next paragraph in a way. Um, but he, ta- he, what does he do? He takes us to a moment in Jesus' life and ministry where Peter was actually there and where it was so obvious that this wasn't just a bunch of mere men swapping opinions about who this Jesus character might be. This was bigger, okay? Matthew chapter 17 and verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There, he was transfigured before them. Transfigured just as in his appearance changed. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, It's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Let me ask you, when you kind of wobble in your convictions as a Christian, the doubts come in, the not sure, the, the, the dimming, the disappearing, the can't quite see anymore. When you wobble in your convictions, is Jesus the real deal? Have I had a real encounter with God in my life? Or are we all just playing a kind of game here? Don't take my word for it. Heaven says you have met the real deal. That's what Peter's pointing us to. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, let me say personally, when I feel in my own life that I'm kind of wobbling or whatever and the, d- the doubts come in, I usually, I usually go back to the resurrection, actually. That's where I tend to go and I sort of chew that over in my mind, remind myself of that. If, if God wasn't involved there, how else can you explain the resurrection? And so I, I pour over, I rehearse the events and the passages and, uh, you know, the conversation with Thomas is particularly powerful for me and the road to Emmaus and the empty tomb, how are you going to actually explain that? You pick through the different accounts um, and all of the rest. Peter is saying, Christian, do you realise you've got more than just the resurrection to go to? Remind yourself of the stamp of God, not just men's opinions, but remind yourself of the stamp of God throughout the life of Jesus. 
You see throughout the life of Jesus, uh, you have met the King from God's throne in heaven. You have met the Son installed by God Himself. You have met the servant with whom God is pleased. Look through His entire life. Yes, death and resurrection as well. Never mind the opinions of mere mortal men, for or against. Put your anchor down in something firmer. Will you do that? Have you done that, Christian? Do you have that firm anchor in your convictions? And lastly, finally, Peter says, that is actually what God's people have always done. It's what God's people have always done. Not just put our faith in, our confidence in the words of mere mortals. We've always put our anchor down in something far deeper, something far firmer. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, next paragraph, last paragraph, where Peter says, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Can you just leave verse 19 up there, Micah, for a second? Um, let me ask this. Verse 19, it's an interesting verse, kind of a little confusing at first. What, is it, what exactly is Peter driving at there? How are the words of the prophets made more certain? Do you say, how does that even work? Weren't they certain to begin with? I mean, they were words of prophets, weren't they? What, what makes them more certain, do you see? Isn't it just this? Christian, you have, we have Jesus. You see, and when Jesus appeared, all of those promises which had come beforehand, which seemed so outlandish at the time, is God really going to do that? All of those prophecies that seemed so implausible at the time, is God really going to turn things right around? All of those prophets themselves, who frankly seemed quirky and weird, sometimes disturbed, even almost crazy. I mean, you think about some of the characters involved that we learned from the prophets themselves, when you clap eyes on Jesus, he is all that they ever promised, isn't he? Attested by heaven, surrounded by the hand of God throughout his very life. Wow, I don't, I don't just have, we don't just have an anchor in our lives, we have a rock that we are fixed to. Do you see? The testimony of God, not just in the life of Jesus, but all throughout the scriptures, Christian, that's what you have in your life, undergirding your faith. The entire Bible comes alive to us as the testimony of God about his own saving works. Christian, is that going to come to your aid next time you wobble in life? We hold in our hands, as we hold the Bible, we hold in our hands not just ancient words to an ancient people about sort of ancient kind of problems, people who heard the prophets say, thus says the Lord, and you ought to know these muddle-headed ancients, they just thought, oh, well, I guess he must be telling the truth. We have today, we have the word of the prophets made more certain and you'll do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That last little bit there, Peter can see a bit further ahead than 
you and I most of the time, can't he? Can you hear it there? In, in the way that he's speaking at the end of that paragraph, you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That is, until the day of Christ's return, that day dawns until the morning star rises in your hearts. You see for yourself our Jesus on that brand new day that is coming um, so, you know, in my, I can see, I can see sometimes at least, as far as to the, the putting off of the tent of my own body, um, sometimes, I can see sometimes through to my departure, to borrow Peter's language, and sometimes that's clear-eyed and contented and I look ahead and I know God's got me, and other times I start to wobble at that realisation. Have I? Me, have I had an encounter with God really? A saving encounter? How do I know? Who can I trust? What is my faith built on really? I haven't got long. None of us do. Do you know what I need in those moments? I need to pay attention to Jesus. Just Jesus and me. As to a light shining in a dark place like he is the only thing in the world. Do you know what I need? I need the Bible. I need the Bible to show me Jesus, not just my favourite bits, not just my memory verses or my easy go-tos, the bits that I can kind of remember, the whole Bible, those, those who spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But do you know what else I need? I need you to be my Peter, do you see? I need you to make every effort to see that we will always be able to remember these things. It's a question for us as a church, is it? Will we be one another's Peter in our lives together? And I know, no, we're not apostles, no, we weren't on that mountain, but do you know Jesus? Then we can be one another's Peter. And as a closing thought, if you're someone here this morning um, and you either... Um, you, you don't know Jesus, not really. You wouldn't say that you do particularly have had an encounter or, or however you want to describe that. Uh, or you're not so much um, wobbling as you know that you, you've well and truly drifted. You've wobbled away, all right? If that's you and you're here this morning um, and you, you want to or at least kind of want to figure things out, could you take at least this much away from 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning? that a real and life-steadying encounter with God, as in a real and life-steadying encounter with God in your life, can be found in Jesus, according to this, can be found in Jesus. Not, please hear this, not in the gurus or the spiritual types or, um, I don't know, yoga teacher necessarily or, or, or even preachers for that matter, by the way. It's not the preacher's personality or charisma that does the trick. Please don't drift away from Jesus hoping and thinking that perhaps you'll find God out there somewhere, somehow, some year, an encounter with Jesus for life and for death and for you will be found in Christ alone. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Can we pray together, brothers and sisters? Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we look forward with eager anticipation to that day when the day dawns and when Christ returns 
and our risen Lord in power and glory and uh, once for all and our hearts will leap within us on that day. We look forward to that bright and shining day that lies ahead, that the Scriptures promise us and assure us of what a day that will be. And we thank you, Father, that as we look back at Christ's resurrection or, for that matter, the transfiguration on the mountain or the prophetic promises about your Son and His kingdom, our hearts leap just a little, perhaps more than a little. We know we have a sure and saving word of grace from heaven to us. That is a precious thing, a steadying thing. Father, would you teach us, please, to remember? Would you give us a vibrant and sensitive ministry of reminding one another in our church life together. Father, would you work within us a humble openness to receiving that kind of reminder and refreshing, no matter how long-standing our commitment to Jesus, no matter how central we are in church, would you give us that humble openness to receiving the reminder and refreshing that we need? Father, may we pass to the next generation a pattern of pointing back to Jesus. May we do that not only for those who are already in the faith, but somehow, God, also to those who have yet to have that real saving encounter with Jesus, may we be great at sensitively and yet boldly pointing to the one who came from heaven once for all and for us. In Jesus' name we ask it, please. Amen.